light is amazing. Without it, there would be no life. Right at the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Right at the beginning of John's gospel, we read, In Christ was life, and that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John's gospel, this theme of Jesus being the light of the world... Jesus coming to to bring us life. It's all through the Gospel of John. To know Jesus is to have life. And to know Jesus is to be in the light. And God wants us to shine his light into the darkness of this world, wherever he has placed us. Into situations and places that we're involved in, whether that's in our workplace or our neighborhood, whether that's in our road, across the street or across the world, Jesus wants to shine his light into the darkness that we find. The great thing about light is that it dispels darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. And only a little light can dispel an awful lot of darkness. I remember many years ago, um, I went on a, a caving experience, a potholing experience. I don't know if anybody here has ever been potholing, but you go down underground to sort of caves and, and through sort of very narrow passageways, and it's wet and it's messy, and I didn't really enjoy it. In fact, I don't think I'll ever do it again. But it was quite an experience, and we were following this guy. We all had our torches on our heads, and we eventually clambered through this narrow passageway into this massive cave right underground. And the guide who was with us asked us to turn our torches off, and so we did. And it was absolutely pitch black. So black you could put your hand in front of your face and you couldn't see it. You could feel the warmth, but you couldn't see anything. And then he switched his light on again. And we could see around the cave. We could see each other. Just his light alone was enough to dispel the darkness. And that's what's amazing about light. Just a little light can dispel a lot of darkness. Just one light can make a difference in the darkness. And it's the same with you and me as well. Just one life can make a difference in our world. And when that life has the light of Jesus, it shines the light of God's love and God's hope into situations that seem hopeless and into lives that can be rescued from sin and darkness. I'll never forget the time I went with our cat worker. That's Christians Against Poverty, working with people who are caught up in debt. I went with our cat worker from our church into a home uh, in our area. And we went in with loads of bags of shopping. This family hadn't eaten properly for maybe a few weeks. There was, their fridge was empty. We went in, we stocked the shelves of the fridge with all this food. We put tins on the shelves. And this woman was just overcome and burst into tears. And we sat down with her. And uh, she said, I just don't know what to do. We, we've got so much debt. I don't know what we're going to do. We've got no money for food, no money for anything. And the, the worker who was with me, she said, it's okay. It's okay, we'll sort it out, we'll help you. And we prayed for that woman as she, as, she, as she was in tears. We prayed for her, and for the first time in weeks, maybe months, I don't know, she saw a glimmer of hope. She realized there was a way out of her awful debt, and that's what Jesus does. He brings good news to people crippled with debt, crippled with sin, and he gives them hope 
and he gives them light. And that's what you and I are called to do. That's our calling as Christians, to declare the marvelous deeds of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And the great news is that you and I can make a difference. As you and I shine God's light, the light of Jesus, into this dark world, we can bring his love and we can bring his hope to those who don't know it or to those who've never heard it. I want to show you a video. It's from our organization, Serving in Mission, just about some people who felt God calling them to get involved in sharing the light of Jesus with people who'd never heard. And after that, I'm just going to share a story to finish before I hand on to Nathaniel. So we're going to have the video. I remember having a dissatisfaction working for the commercial world and thinking I wanted to use my gifts for something greater than money and greater than me. And um, having a revelation that if the gospel's really true, then I had to be part of that and use my gifts for the advancement of that. Knowing Christ is uh, the ultimate goal. Um, it's, the, it's the best hope that we can give anybody. And realizing this has really convicted me into questioning how is my life uh, and my work, uh, how is that uh, contributing to spreading the gospel? We initially went out doing church planting uh, amongst the Fulani people, training uh, Fulani Christians to serve their own people and to take that gospel message out to their own people. My main ministry was um, homeschooling our children. There just were no other options for them. Um, So that was what I was heavily involved in. Um, So they're also going out to the local villages and and just making friends there and um, sharing the gospel with them. Um, And then also teaching when we were in the capital, teaching to adult Burkina Bay um, as well. But the whole, all that we were doing was about sharing the gospel with the people. In the UK, I am doing a study about handling the Bible and training to be helping those people back in Bangladesh to be a a good um, Bible handler and a teacher. And in the meantime, I help out at the bookshop here, helping out the Bangladesh community. The kind of mission work that I do is media-based, photography, videography, graphic design, websites, anything really that communicates what God is doing around the world. Based in Thailand, my husband is kind of more on the front lines of ministry, sharing the gospel and making disciples. Really, God can use anyone, wherever you are, whatever your gifts are, whether it's out there preaching or at a desk with a camera. We are convinced that no one should live and die without hearing the gospel. And we believe that God has called his global church to make disciples in communities where he's least known. Working in more than 70 countries and in multi-ethnic teams, we, we cross barriers to share the message all about Jesus, crucified and risen, obeying Christ's great commission across cultures locally and globally. We work hand in hand with churches to release missionaries from all walks of life into varied vocational opportunities, doing whatever it takes and by whatever means to see people reached with God's great news. We send and receive missionaries. We prepare them to go into mission work. We equip them to raise financial support and partner closely with the churches, celebrating what God does and obey Jesus, become part of Christ-centered churches. The need is great. Wherever we live, whether that's in London, Glasgow, Leeds, Manchester, wherever we are in the UK, the need is greater in those places where there is no church. Prayer is foundational to all we do, and we invite you to join with us in prayer for these places. I think the biggest 
joy in my ministry is is seeing uh, Fulani believers uh, taking the initiative, reaching their own people uh, with the message of the gospel. For me, that's uh, that's huge. The ultimate joy has got to be when one kid comes to faith in Jesus, and just to think that might not have happened if the mission wasn't there. That's truly humbling. The story of one life transformed uh, is just as miraculous and just as important as a story of a thousand. SIM is equipping, impacting and changing lives every day through people like you and I taking that message to people who will never hear. So whether you go, whether you send, whether you pray or whether you give, we'd like you to get involved. Go for it. Don't be put off or afraid of the barriers you might face, um, raising your own support or moving away from home, moving overseas. It's all worth it. It changes your perspective on the rest of the world and on yourself and your own country. It really spoils you for the ordinary and never look back. So what gifts do you have? How can you use them to share God's love with others? How can you use them to shine that light into some of the dark places that you inhabit? You know, really God can use anyone whatever your gifts are. That's what Kat said, wasn't it? And the story of one transformed life makes it all worthwhile. Seeing one person come to know Jesus Christ and see him rescue them from, from what's been trapping them. I remember a story of a little girl who had been shopping with her mother. She wanted to buy um, a torch, not clothes, and the biggest torch she could find. And they found this really great torch. And uh, as she's waiting at the checkout with her mum, uh, she's getting really excited and she's getting really impatient. And she says to her mum, come on, mum, hurry up. Let's go and find some darkness where we can shine this light. You know, that's really what God wants us to do. He wants us to find those places in society, in our world, where people haven't heard about Jesus, where they're in the darkness. And he wants us to go and shine Christ's light there. So I want to encourage you to do that. Go and find some darkness and shine Christ's light in that dark place. I'm going to hand over to Nathaniel now. He's going to share a bit more about some of the things going on here, I think. In John 1, uh, verse 14, we read, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see very God, very man, come down to demonstrate to us the full grace and truth of, of God the Father. And God still uses that model of frail human beings, frail flesh and blood like us, indwelt by the Spirit of Jesus with the Word, pointing people towards the grace and the truth of, of, of the Lord God. And I want to tell you a little bit of a, a story to illustrate how this is happening in, in our own day and age. And of course, we've talked about the, the, the unreached places around the world and this focus of the seminars on the unreached. But we know as the world moves around, um, as people move around the world as never before, um, unreached people are, are more and more on our own do doorsteps. And, and the story I'm going to tell you illustrates how God is working um, to reach the unreached, even um, right here in Northern Ireland. And, and my story starts on this campus about 10 years ago. A guy called Xi Zhei came from mainland China to study a PhD in, in environmental science. Um, and he was far away from home. He was, he was very lonely. His, his parents had invested um, all their savings, 
um, reared him in a way that he could come to the UK, could get a good education and he would go back and he would get a good job which would give his family prestige uh, and maintain their good reputation and then he would be able to support his, his parents and his family when, when he went back. So, so all this had been invested in CJ and he found himself um, in this, this strange place far away from home. And he was soon befriended by local students, and it turned out these local students who went out of their way to make him welcome, to befriend him, were, were Christians. And, and some of these students then invited him um, to their local church, and he went along to Port Stewart Baptist. And, and when he went to church, he also discovered the people at church were very warm, they were very friendly, they went out of their way to speak to him, to, to, to take an interest in his life. Um, some of them welcomed him into their homes. Um, he, he, he had many meals with many people. Some of them even asked if he wanted to study the Bible with them and shared, shared their faith with them. And this went on for many years, and he was really attracted by these, these followers of Jesus. There was something about them that was different and which attracted him. Yet, he wasn't ready to receive the gospel. He had been brought up um, with an atheistic education, an atheistic worldview. Science was the solution to all the world's, world's problems, and it was hard for him to shake this um, the, the way he had been brought up to think. But also, he was considering the cost. If I do become a Christian, what is this going to mean for, for my future, for my parents, the shame it may bring upon them, the way it might um, harm my uh, future career uh, and, and, and what I've been um, working towards. Uh, and this meant he, he was happy to be part of this Christian community and have Christian friends, but, but really wasn't ready to receive the gospel. That was till one day he went to church and, and someone was preaching and, and, and they were focusing on the verse, um, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And this preacher um, said, said to those who were, who were listening that day, think about, for you, what is it to live? Is it your career? Is it your family? Is it your reputation? Those aren't bad things in themselves. But, but what's going to happen to those things when you die? You're going to lose them. So, so you, you're, if you're building your life upon those things, you're building them upon sand. Things aren't going to last. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you build your life upon him, if you make him your treasure and the center of your life, even when you die, you're going to become even closer to the treasure, to the thing that you love most. So if you follow Jesus, there's no, there's no loss in life or in death. And, and CJ sitting there really felt like, um, the Lord was speaking to him, telling him, you need to count the cost and consider if you're going to follow me. And, and that day he decided to become a follower uh, of Jesus. And, and, uh, and of course, um, his, the church welcomed him and embraced him. He was baptized. He was discipled. Um, he found, though he, um, it, it, it brought some barriers with his own family, he, he had gained many brothers and sisters, uh, many mothers and fathers, many aunts and uncles who, who would love him. And, and his journey still continues today. And I heard this story when my church um, ha, was involved in doing some Bible studies with uh, students from mainland China, um, from Queen's University. Last year we had about 40 of them come every week for a meal and for small group Bible studies. And Shijie was in my small group. And, and we went through the Bible with them, telling them the story of God and what he had done for them um, from the beginning to, to Revelation. And at the end of it, many of them were very interested and they, they, they said, this is, this is great, um, this is very inspiring, but, but we want to hear, um, how has this affected you personally? You, you guys have put your hope and your trust in this. Um, what difference has it made in your lives? Uh, and, and then we decided that we would give our testimonies and tell them, well, this truth, accepting this Jesus, this is... This is the impact it's had on our lives. This is how it's transformed us. This is the hope we now have. And CJ, um, one of those meetings, told that, that, that beautiful story. Uh, and it was wonderful to hear him, uh, having come to faith, now passing on his faith, sharing this grace and truth 
um, with others from, from his homeland. And as I reflect on the story, I thought about um, us, um, flesh and blood, um, living amongst people, wherever God's placed us, being those people who point people towards Jesus, towards his grace and his truth. And I thought about um, th those students who befriended CJ. They went out of their way to, to see someone who perhaps was on the, on the fringe, someone who was not like them, and took an interest in him. Think about the, the, the courage they took to invite him to church. I thought about each of those people at church who welcomed him, who maybe smiled at him, shook his hands, asked about how he was doing. And those who opened up their homes to him, those who opened up the word of God to him, those who were willing to pray with him. Um, the, the man who, 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 who allowed God to speak through him into CJ's life. And each of those people were modeling what Jesus did, um, that they, 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 they were in the world, uh, frail human beings, but they were pointing people towards Jesus, pointing people towards God, towards his truth and his grace. And let's ask each of ourselves, um, are we going to be those people right where God has placed us right now, in, in our families, in our homes, in our, in our churches, in our communities, in our workplaces? Let's be those people who we realize God has placed us where we are. He's given us the relationships we have so that we can point people towards him. I'm going to now hand over to William Mateer from OM. Well, it's good to be here uh, this morning, and it's good to see a big turnout for this uh, seminar. We weren't—we don't know how many people are going to come, and it's especially good to see a lot of young people here. So, just to give you a wee bit of background about how I got involved in mission, I—I uh, I was a photographer. In fact, there's a lady here. I did her her daughter's wedding. Um, I would have done about 60 weddings a year, and was very pleased to hear Cat on the SIM video was saying that she was a bit fed up with this corporate life and she knew there was something bigger and something better to be involved in and of course God called her out of that life into serving him full time as you saw in the video as a photographer and the beauty of this uh, um, uh, Nathaniel has touched on it as well and uh, Mike has touched on it you know George Verwer the founder of OM he, he sort of coined a phrase and his phrase says God can use anyone who loves Jesus. Wow. So I didn't think he could use me as a photographer. How could he use me? So he took me out of photography into full-time mission. How did that happen? Well, he took away my desire to be the top photographer in Ireland for a start. And he gave me a desire for people's souls for eternity. Isn't that amazing? And you know, the beauty of this is, and if we've been sort of fading our way through this John's Gospel, John was gone out of his way to explain who Jesus actually is and why he came. And you know, when Jesus uh, started his public ministry, he went out. He didn't go up to the temple to, to pull out all the big guys out of the temple. He went down to the lakeshore and he saw these big rough fishermen fixing out their nets. And he just walked over towards them and he looked them in the eye and he said, Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what did they do? They didn't say, oh, well, I'm sorry, I can't really go. I've got uh, this project on. I've got that project on. I have to go home and ask my mum and dad. I have to go and see my wife or whatever. They were running a business. They laid down their, their nets, and off they went and followed him for three years. And you know, at the end of his ministry, and we'll be touching this very shortly in my verses, he said, go and make disciples. So to, to compact Jesus' ministry, the first words he said to his disciples were, 
come and follow me. And the final words he said was, go and make disciples. So this verse, uh, I know it's in uh, John Hamilton's heart. John used to use this verse quite a lot uh, when we were working together. But basically, just to put the verse from uh, John 20 into some sort of context, this, this is in the evening of the first morning of the week. Uh, it says, when the disciples were gathered together for the doors uh, locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders. So they had all battened down the hatches. Jesus had sort of gone, and they didn't know what was happening next, and they wondered where the Jewish leaders coming to get them. So they locked all the doors, and the next thing, Jesus appeared to them. So it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Wow. So he was extending his peace, that peace that passes all understanding. He just extended it to them, put them at their ease. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They thought, wow, we thought he'd gone. Here he is standing in front of us. Again, Jesus, just to reassure them, he said, Peace be with you. As my Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. So, you know, this conference this year is all about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we can do absolutely nothing without the Holy Spirit coming into us and guiding us and leading us. And when Jesus just breathed, that's like when God created Adam. He formed him out of the dust and he went. He just breathed into that body. And Adam became a human being. So we're all human beings. We're called by God to serve him, to love him, to glorify him forever, and to share Jesus with everyone we meet. I remember speaking to a guy one night at a local church and I sort of challenged him and uh, he was in a particular organization uh, that didn't glorify Jesus. And I said, well, why do you not mention the name Jesus in your particular organization? And he said to me, he says, would you mention him at the golf club? I said, well, why not? <laughs> I said, why not? So I still see him from time to time and I still challenge him. So God has placed us here and now. And you know, when we look at our lifespan, it's very, very short. For you young people, you think it's going to go on forever. It's not. I'm 61 now and I don't know where that time went to. Because Alan and I used to go to school together and that just seems like yesterday, doesn't it? <laughs> but anyway, um, the thing is, is that Jesus wants us to share his love his truth with people that we meet. That could be people here or people there. People across the nations or people at home. And as Nathaniel shared, you know, God is shaking the nations and he's bringing people into Europe. Now, through OM, we're meeting people on every border crossing from the Middle East right through into Europe. And we're hearing stories of people that are traveling. And where do they want to get to? A lot of them want to get to the UK. When they get here, what do they want to do? They want to learn English. And it's great that local churches are building programs and teaching English and, and inviting people in. And that's very important. Now, there was a guy who worked with uh, OM for a number of years, Noel Bennett. Some of you older folks would know Noel. He sent me a text yesterday from Belgium. And he said, you know, we're, he and Fred are getting a wee bit on. 
and they can't really do very much. They can't go very far, but they're living in an apartment. And there's about 12 different nationalities living in this apartment block. And they're able to teach English uh, to them, and they're also able to share the word of God with them through Bible teaching. So it's not remarkable. So OM, we've got a, a vision for the future. And our vision is that we want to see vibrant communities of Jesus followers among the least reached. And that's really what this session is all about. And you heard that coming through Mike's uh, video as well. So I've got a short video to show you now. We are a global community of Jesus followers. Since our beginnings, we have been driven by the deep conviction that everyone should have the opportunity to hear the gospel at least once. So we went. No place was too hard. No people too far. No idea too crazy. No dream too big. And our failures did not hold us back. Tens of thousands have joined us. And hundreds of millions have heard the gospel. But we are not done yet. We believe the gospel has the power to change everyone and everything, including the reality of those who are oppressed, forgotten and marginalised. We believe it is God's mission to transform lives and communities as he reconciles the world to himself. We have the privilege of joining with him in this mission. This transformation isn't reserved for those we serve. It happens to us too. It happens to us too. When we step out in faith, we start to change as well. Our hearts are changed. And so are our attitudes, relationships and priorities. Our soul is refreshed and we find significance in who he has made us to be and what he has made us to do. We are a group of people who don't fit a mould. We don't sit still. And who love the adventure of serving Jesus. We're looking for many more to join us on this journey. We listen first and don't just show up in a new place and project our way of doing and thinking. We get out of bed each morning with the confidence that the God who created the universe who knocked over the walls of Jericho who healed the blind and raised the dead is with us. This emboldens us, empowers us and keeps us moving forward. We believe everyone was made for God's purposes. Our talents, our gifts and our passions are His tools in us. If God wired us to design, then we designed. If He wired us to organise, we organise. If He wired us to build, then we build. We want our work and our words to shine His light. So that those we live amongst will see it and glorify God. Over 3,000 unique groups of people with their own culture and language have never heard about Jesus. Ever. Our passion is that they would hear of his fame and renown. We believe. We believe. We believe. We believe. We believe. We believe. We believe that a vibrant community reproduces itself. Life produces life constantly. We are a global community of Jesus followers.
Well, that's us sort of coming to an end of our session. Are we going to take some questions? Going to pray? Alan? Sorry about that. Alan's. There's the proof that he's older and more dottery than me. Um, you've come here to, uh, for some glimpses into John's gospel and for some understanding about unreached peoples and what's happening. John began with, I, um, in the beginning was the word. Now, why did, he, why did he use these words? To answer that question, you need to think about where was he when he said it. And he was in Ephesus, uh, which, although a city in Asia Minor, was a Greek city in its thoughts and practices. But John was, like us Northern Irish, steeped in our words and our ways of thinking. And as a Jew, he knew the language, but not how to communicate cross-culturally. And going across a culture is really hard. And he thought, you know, 500, almost 600 years earlier, a man called Heraclitus, actually in Ephesus, a Greek, had written some words to say there must be a power in this world who has created it, made it, sustained it, and is the power behind it. And he called it the Logos. And for more than 500 years, the Greeks had been excited, their imagination caught by this Logos. In the beginning was the Logos, the word. Why was John saying this? He was saying, you have been writing, dreaming, looking for this Logos. Well, I'm here to tell you who he is. So, John's gospel is very much about those who have not heard. And in a few moments, as William has said rightly, we will take some questions that you may have. And we also invite us to take some moments to come to the Lord together to pray for the peoples we've thought about and others who he has laid upon your heart. Now, very often when we turn up at a church, and I'm sure Philip as a minister will... Um, very readily um, recognize this. We're inclined to come with impossible numbers and to tell you how big the job is that is still to be done. And whilst that is true, you see, mission is not about the stuff we do. Mission is the activity of God the Holy Spirit, stirring hearts, drawing them to know him. And we're thrilled to be able to convey to us today that the numbers of unreached peoples or least reached peoples in the world are reducing. The missiologists agree there are around just over 16,600 distinct people groups and languages. It depends how you define, but let's say almost 17,000. In 1950, you know, when William was around, there were um, apparently some... 14,000 of that almost 17,000 that had never had anyone to bring the gospel to them. That was 1950. By 1980, missiologists say that there were just under 12,000 left. That was remarkable. By 1996, they estimate that that number is now just under 6,000. So in the lifetime of many of us, the progress in the gospel is remarkable. What we mean is those communities have believers, enough of them to witness and testify and to establish churches. If you were to ask me about the Africa Inland Mission, we exist for our burden. Our one desire is the unreached peoples 
120 years ago in Africa, that was about 3,000. Today, there are around 900 left. In a sense, the easy ones are done and the difficult remain. And so the call that is being made to us is hard. Have some of us come across Dick Brogdon, leader of the Assemblies of God, and some of you will know. Dick has been a huge influence recently upon our mission. He taught us for a week on the subject of abiding in Christ. He's done his PhD on that subject. He's written some books on it, and you'll find his ministry under the name Live Dead, because he calls us to do just that. This book, for example, Live Dead Joy, is extremely hard, but wonderful. Insightful into Scripture, little expositions each day, taking you through the whole Bible in a year, but each day also praying for a least-reached people group. In a moment, when we pray, I'll read you some words from one of them. They're not easy words. Abiding in Christ, when we read John 15, which we love, don't we? And verse 1 is, we will be fruitful. And verse 2, there will be more fruit. And verse 5 or 6, much fruit when we abide in him. And Dick has helped us as a mission to rethink prayer, fasting, walking with Christ. We've been deeply touched by this scripture. Allow me to give you just one or two little stories from this. On the Comoros, the islands in the Indian Ocean, our teams there have labored for many years and not seen so much as they have seen in some other places. But some months ago, our team there chose to pray and to fast for three days over this particular village for which they were burdened. And they went to the village and they began to work, but they were disappointed. There was no more visible evidence than before. And so they prayed and fasted some more. And then a few days after, a young woman, just 17, married with a couple of children, she took paraffin and poured it over herself and set herself on fire. Well, two of our workers there, they chose to love this woman and to care for her. You see, her village in an honor-shame culture said, you have shamed us, we will not feed you, we will not look after you, we wish you had died. And now they have watched for some months as these two missionaries. And you know, as mobilizers, we look for people. This young woman, this Scottish girl, can hardly speak. Her speech stoppage is so much. But every day, they toilet this girl, change her wounds, hold her hand, care for her. And these villagers are asking, why? We've never seen love like this before. Let me take you to the horn. I'm so thrilled that Theresa May hasn't broken WhatsApp yet because we can get these secure messages. This one, on Saturday, I met a young lady last night. I'll call her Faith. She has given up everything to follow. Her husband divorced her, took her child. Her family sent her to an exorcist in an extreme area. She showed me some of her scars. She has been in our city two months and is homeless, clanless, and jobless. The fledgling body here is caring for her. Ask for wisdom as we seek to help, encourage, but not swoop in and rob them of the joy of giving and being family to one another. My last story is from another North African country. We have to be careful about the locations you understand. Don't please post these things or refer to them in any of your social media. But our people in this country have been describing how after a long time of seeing nothing, since November... Well, he's put it this way. Fish are jumping into the boat. And 
the first two, we call them Hannah and Ruth, when they first uh, tried to find us, and then within weeks, for they were hungry, they were searching, they were dark, and they believed. And then almost every morning I'm waking up to these messages coming from their country. Hannah has read the book of Exodus today. Ruth has finished John. They read the book in one day, and uh, they've written hymns in Arabic. And, uh, uh, well, let me just give you um, two of their of their, uh, their messages. Ruth and Hannah's baptism is tomorrow morning. I'm riding to catch you all. Please pray. And the next day. Today, some of my favorite parts. Understanding tears as they shared hurts in the journey from darkness to light. Hearing them pray for each other. Seeing them embracing and cheering as they came up out of the water, sharing the bread and the cup. And now on Sunday morning, I woke up to this message. Hannah's aunt wants to follow Jesus. Is reading the word daily, sending passages through WhatsApp to her friends, reading with her two sisters. Reading means reading the scriptures together. And their kids, and the lady she works with and her kids. And she said, I think I've been called to show people the road of light. These are beautiful. Mission isn't hopeless. Jesus is doing the work that he has promised We're thankful to be able to pray, and we're going to do that in a moment. But first, you may have questions, so my colleagues may join me. If they're hard, they can answer, and if they're not so difficult. A few things you'd like to ask. You can, of course, speak with us after, but... You're very shy. Well, that's okay. I'm going to invite us to stand together and to be in prayer. We will have moments when we, in quietness, just see Christ and express the affection and adoration of our hearts to him. And other points, and we will just prompt you from time to time, we will ask you to pray for a country. You might just want to speak the name of that place or country or people group, or you may want a sentence or two. Please don't be shy. You may never have done that before. It doesn't matter. So would you stand with us, and we will seek the Lord, and we will use Scripture and to seek him together. Let's begin by expressing the worship and gladness of our own hearts that the Lord has allowed us this day in which to do so. This little reading from Dick Brogdon, he says, to be or not to be, that is not the question. To be or to seem to be. Matthew 21, Jesus told a parable of two sons, one who vowed obedience and one who seemed to rebel. The one who seemed obedient, I go, sir, but was not. Jesus is not impressed with those who seem obedient. Christians, ministers, missionaries are often prone to the malady of seeming to be obedient. Generally, I'm not impressed with missionaries mainly because I am one and I know how much hypocrisy and duplicity I carry in my heart. We liquidate domestic assets, say goodbye to family and friends, head to unfamiliar lands, to labor in difficult languages. It seems impressive. But the followers of Jesus who project all the outward leaves of obedience but don't submit in a thousand daily ways, it's not enough to claim obedience. It's not enough to seem obedient. The first steps in our obedience are verbal, but the majority... Of the rest of our lives, obedience is small, daily submitted actions. Oh, let us seek the Lord concerning our hearts, and as we do so, pray for those we know and love who serve Christ, that they too will have this 
integrity and God truly at work alive in us let's ask this for ourselves and would you like as well then in a moment to give names to just mention those that you care for and love let's call upon the Lord asking for the nations for the countries please would you as God prompts call out the name of a place that he would lay upon your heart and mind hmm. Amen. I'm going to ask if Don and Hannah would come forward. Um, as we finish our prayers this morning, to focus on these friends, Don and his wife, and Hannah. No, no, I'm going to say his wife and, and Hannah serve in the Horn of Africa. You heard Don pray a moment ago. Give us, Hannah, one request for prayer two people to lead us and to call upon the Lord for our friends who serve in these hard situations. Thank you, Lord, how precious to have these friends with us. And we raise them before you and plead for them, for their safety and to make them dangerous, that, Lord, you might take them and work in unusual ways. Surprise us, Lord, by what you do and give them strength to keep on keeping on. And we pray for their mission reach across as they seek to find someone to volunteer to, to be their representative here in Northern Ireland. But, O oh Lord, our cry to you is that you would raise up more workers. You desire that we would pray in accordance with the Scripture, and you delight to answer the pleas from our hearts and our lips. Thank you for those who are here who are pondering these things already, those who have these things in their heart and they've told no one they've not yet felt that they should share this you Lord know would you affirm and call and provide and those of us who are called by God to be here and to support and to be faithful in prayer help us Lord to abide in Christ we thank you and we adore the living Lord Jesus our prayers are in his name Amen if you'd like to consider being that volunteer, wave at us please, Steve. Uh, he'll be glad to speak with you.